Welcome back, everybody. Got another awesome episode this week, and one that I think you will find especially relevant to the, some of the discussions that are going on in our community, in our space right now, with all the conflict that is popping up overseas, and now even more than ever, the protests, the mostly peaceful protesting we're seeing not just here you know in the united states but in other major cities around the world protesting the conflict that's going on cheering for ironically a terrorist organization now like i said more than ever people are having the discussion both with themselves and with their friends and potentially even with companies about night vision do i need it once i get it am i going to be okay how do i use it where do i even start I have money, but I have no idea where to go with it. Or maybe I know a bunch because I've done research and I have not enough money or very little and I need to get something usable. There's so many questions and and how to set it up and everything. So this should be a very, very insightful discussion today as I am joined by Duffy. John Dufresne is joining me again here on the pod. And if you guys aren't aware, he does a lot of of night vision work with his classes, with his teaching, with his instructing. He's got a lot of good information out there on his YouTube channel. He's been a guest on the pod previously, had an outstanding discussion with him. We touched on night vision then, and we are really going to try and deep dive into it today on this episode. There's a whole lot to get into. We, you know, uh, I think the last time I had him on, I had a single two PVS 14. Now I'm running duels. Now, is one better than the other? Not not necessarily. Pros and cons, we'll get into it. There's a lot to unpack there. This should be a really, really cool discussion. I'm very excited now that I actually have something to bring to the table in terms of uh, you know actual experience behind tubes and some relatively long-term exposure to them. But should be a really good discussion. Like I said, there's a ton of things in the world right now that should lead you down the path of looking into having the capability of being able to see in the dark. One is that... Well, bad shit happens at night, you know? There's not really a nice way to put that. Bad shit happens at night. That's when bad guys prefer to operate. That's not an opinion. That's an actual statistic. That's actually closer to a fact than anything else. And additionally, realistically, if we're looking at the potential problems we could encounter, right? If you jump back just a few years to 2020 in these major cities, there were things like power outages and not just you know not one of these like storm power outages where you got six to 12 hours of inconvenience and then you're just back up and running no we're talking prolonged power outages for days and in some areas weeks because it wasn't safe to send power crews back in to restore said power so this is something that we can really take a lot of directions and really unfold. Like I said, it should be a really, really cool discussion, and I'm happy to be able to bring this to you guys. It's something that I'm very passionate about as I learn more and more and more with the application, not just you know in your own homes or CQB, like all the dope reels you guys watch online, but also getting out in the woods and understanding a lot of different things, how to utilize your night vision, how to focus them, what different surfaces and textures are through the tube as opposed to through the human eye. Things look very, very different behind a tube. So we're going to get into all of that stuff with Duffy. It's going to be really, really good, guys. But as always, I have to say thank you because this podcast has experienced a tremendous amount of growth and success this year, and we are pushing closer and closer towards the end of the calendar year for 2023. It's crazy. Uh, When you guys are listening to this, it is Halloween already. Where the hell did the time go? I remember recording episodes at the end of August and going, oh, we're 
pushing into the beginning of fall and the last two months have just flown by. It's been absolutely crazy. And now we've got two months more and then we're done. We are actually less than two months out from Christmas. Uh, and for those of you keeping watch, enjoy today because starting tomorrow, November 1st, we will probably be, be, oh, probably be overrun by Christmas music on all of our radios. So God help us all. But at any rate, have to say thank you to a our Patreon patrons. Without your support, we would not be able to do everything that we ha- have been doing this year. We are really targeting 2024 to ramp things up on the Patreon side. We're already dropping exclusive videos, long form, in depth edited videos. You know, taking things up another notch. So if you guys are looking for access to better content, to more information, or if you want to have a hand in our content, you want to ask us for something specific so we can bring that information to you, the Patreon page is the way to do it. You can head to patreon.com forward slash prepared underscore mindset underscore pod. That's our site. You guys can support us there. There's different tiers, different levels of access. And in the past, we've even been able to, been able to I'm sorry, hook up our patrons with free gifts. All of our patrons got access to the 100 Concepts Pro scope caps several weeks in advance. Last year, we were able to hook them up with some Christmas gifts. So there's some additional perks baked into there that aren't necessarily always guaranteed, but the possibility exists. So head on over and check that out. Uh, Doing a lot of really good things over there and really starting to enjoy the work coming through the Patreon. In addition to that, I have to say thank you to our industry partners, you guys. And first up, have to, you know, like I said, say thank you to Custom Night Vision. They've been a huge supporter of ours. They are an outstanding company. You guys can head over to customnightvision.com. Check out everything that they have going on, everything they have to offer you. So they have an insight chat built in. So if you have those questions, if there's things that you know John and I don't get into in this episode, hey, you can go reach out to the team at Custom and ask them. They'll be able to help you. They will be able to guide you. They have tons and tons of units in stock, whether it's a PVS-14 or a Tonto unit. So you're looking at a monocular. If you're looking at binocular units. They have all of that on the site. Whatever you see is in stock. It's ready to be shipped to you. Photonis tubes, Elbit tubes, L3 tubes, helmets, mounts, Ops Core helmets, Team Wendy helmets, lasers from Steiner. They have the mall from BE Myers in stock, you guys. They are literally your one-stop shop for all things night vision. I cannot recommend these guys enough. They do outstanding work. They also carry optics. They carry lights, and they're there with you 100% of the way from start to finish, their company goal, their company mission is to provide a more transparent purchasing experience for people that are buying night vision. It's a big step. It's a large purchase for any of us. Again, whether that's something like a PVS 14, your first purchase into night vision, uh, or maybe you're upgrading, right? You're getting into some 1431 Mark IIs. You're getting into some DTNVSs or RPNVGs or RNVGs, you know, whatever have you, white phosphor, green phosphor. They are there to answer your questions. They're there to make sure you're comfortable with your purchase. You can even go to the website. You can see images of the tubes before you buy. They want to make sure you have as much information up front so that you are 100% pleased with your interaction. Again, Custom Night Vision, you can head over to customnightvision.com, check out everything they have in stock, and pick yourself up a little piece of the superpower that you can buy today. Also, thank you to HRT Tactical Gear, guys. HRT makes some really good nylon gear. Uh, I, you know, I love the load-bearing adaptive carrier they sent me, or LBAC for short. 
They also have their rack. They have their H-rack tip top, you guys. The stitching is great. The fitment is outstanding. You know, I the L-back, I, look, I looked at it before they sent it out to me, and I go, man, this looks like a lot. I, I don't know if I need all this in a plate carrier. Uh, I was a bit intimidated. After I got it sized, after I got it set up, it has been so outstanding. Very comfortable. No hot spots. Carries all of my gear. No problems. They use a Tigris material on the cummerbund to keep it very stiff and very rigid. You can load it up with additional gear if you like. They have a wide selection of back panels and placards. And a couple of weeks ago, they sent me one of their arc belts. Again, made out of this amazing material, this Tigris. And it is so light and so rigid. Outstanding. And the range session I had with Josh a couple weeks ago and... Man, super tip top. Head on over to hrttacticalgear.com. Check out all of their gear. They sell armor plates. They have medical supplies, and they're always looking to do more. Head over to the site and check it out today. And, of course, can't forget our friends over at 100 Concepts. Guys, they're an outstanding company. Like I said, they actually took care of our Patreon patrons and hooked them up with early access to the Pro Caps in the end of August. And, you know, ahead of the, the deadline, the, geez, if I can talk for a second, ahead of when they dropped them in the beginning of September, they're making outstanding gear that's going to add to everything you guys are doing. So whether you're looking to pick up a pack scrim or a helmet scrim so that when you're out in the woods, you're just a little bit better camouflage than you were going, going into this, whether you don't have any scope caps, you don't have light caps or their pro caps or their hex caps, okay? Issues that deal with the reflection that all of our optics, all of our flashlights have, whether it's a red dot, an LPVO, a holographic site like an EOTech, whatever, you know, those all have some level of reflection. And 100 Concepts is here developing solutions to address all of those needs. They just relaunched their sling hook. It's even more versatile than, than ever if you're spending a lot of time out in the woods. It is a must have, you guys. And they now have this Samaritan Med Pouch in stock in a very limited quantity. I just picked one up. Guys, head on over to 100concepts.com and grab one for yourself. Their company motto is do good, be dangerous, live free. Support an awesome company making some awesome products. So huge shout out to those guys. It is still so outstanding that we get to partner with some just killer companies in the industry. They're doing some really, really good work and stay tuned. You guys know a lot of people like to blow through the ad space, but you know what? We're getting to that time of year. There's gonna be a lot of sales going on. So maybe you want to check these out. We'll have some information coming in the next few weeks here on what kind of sales you can expect. If there's going to be early sales, maybe you can camp out some sites for some drops for some good prices. You know, we're always advocating for you guys to spend your money wisely. And if you can save a couple bucks here or there, that's definitely a big part of it. But as I was saying, uh, John Dufresne is joining me in this week's episode. We're going to get into all kinds of things, night vision. Uh, since our last discussion, I've had a ton more time under my 14 and even more time than that with a couple major trips and outings under my 1431s, my dual tubes that custom hooked me up with. And guys, I think this is going to be really good. I think it's going to be very educational. And if you have concerns, if you have questions around night vision, if you have questions around, is it really necessary? Do I really need that? You know, sometimes I feel like we try to convince ourselves that we don't need a certain piece of gear purely because of the price point. 
this could be a really important discussion for you guys to check out because it may either validate or more than likely invalidate a lot of those arguments around why it's unnecessary. Things like, oh, I'll always have a street light or I always have a white light. Well, that may not always be the best solution and it, you may not always have a power grid up and running like we've seen in the past for you know extended periods of time and seeing in the dark is something you really should consider if your personal safety and security is a concern so with that and without any further delays from me let's jump on over to my discussion with duffy here we go john welcome back to the pod man how are you good man how you doing Good, good. I'm happy to have you on. I'm happy to be able to sit down and uh, kind of dive into night vision. Uh, now that I, I think like uh, we were saying before we started recording, I have dual tubes now. It's a totally different game for me. And uh, with everything going on in the world, I think more people are starting to advocate like even, even more so than normal, right? Hey, maybe you should be able to see in the dark. Maybe it's not such a bad idea. Um, looking back to like what we dealt with in 2020 with all the stuff that went on across the country, right? Mm-hmm. Being able to see it in the dark, probably a benefit, maybe worth a second thought, maybe worth the investment. Uh, yeah. And and it depends on what you put into it, right? Like uh, honestly, like the, the necessities of the individual are going to be dictated by them, right? Like some people may not see it as a necessity, but I see it as absolutely a necessity um, where, where some will think like, oh man, you, you own two rifles. You're crazy. And I'm like, man, I own more than two rifles. And yes, I'm not crazy. So like, there's, there's so much going on that uh, I think people try to tell other people what they're supposed to have. And you can't like, I don't know what your lifestyle is. Right. And I don't know. Uh, you don't know where I live per se. Right. So like, uh, there may be different things that we all need. So uh, I, I think it's a necessity, but like I said, I can't, I can't dictate that for somebody else. Yeah, no, it, it, it's definitely situational for people. I, I would never say, Hey, you should buy night vision over your mortgage payment or your car payment. You know what I mean? But there are a lot of people out there that will just find those reasons to justify why you don't need something like that because it is a lot of money. And I get that, but man, you just have to have an honest conversation with yourself. You know, hey, uh, I don't need night vision because there's going to be street lights. Well, until there's not. <laughs> right. I mean, we, we've we seen, yeah. you, you know, mm-hmm. of extended power loss and things like that where mm-hmm. you go days or weeks without essential things like that. And, and uh, honestly, uh, down here in South Florida, like the the chances of losing power is pretty easy. <laughs> um, mainly because you're you get hurricanes every year, uh, at least for the last few. And every time an an actual one hits the the area that you're in, you're gonna lose power. Like it just messes with the infrastructure and you may get it back in a day, you may get it back in a week, you may get it back in a few weeks. So it's uh it's unfortunate, but that's when uh the <laughs> the evil comes out when the darkness is available to them, you know? Uh, yeah, and not that they don't come out other times, but it's usually goes hand in hand. Yeah, the opportunity is there. Mm-hmm. So, when people are starting to get and like, let's let's begin at, I guess the beginning, right? The the starting point for a lot of people is 
what do I need to get? What do I need to do? And a lot of that is budgetary. You know, you're really confined by how much money you have to spend. So for most of us, and I don't know if that was this way for you as a civilian, we start with a PVS 14 or something like, a, uh, I think it's Nocturne that makes the Tonto, right? Mm-hmm. Single tube device. Uh, and then you look at like surplus, usually anyway, surplus mounts like a Rhino uh, and some kind of bump helmet, right? Yeah. When looking at something like that, and I know you teach a lot of night vision, you do a lot of courses that involve its application and learning how to be effective with it. I think there's a lot of people in the space that'll tell you, no, skip that, save your money and get binos. What are your thoughts around that? I mean, I get it on one hand because there's benefits, but it's, they wouldn't, they wouldn't sell the way they do if they were completely useless. Well, so uh, you got to remember everything that's in that kind of space uh, was created for a contract, right? So um, night vision, the, the PBS 14, any, any dual tubes for the most part, there are a lot of like, uh, ones that are coming out just because it's gotten so popular that people are just making because they want to make a new housing. Um, but like the Rhino mount, the J arm, the, the, anything really was, or most of those things I would say were created for contracts. So, uh, when they become available to the, to the civilian population, yeah, it's, it's, awesome like you have access to it but most of the time there right uh there's better than mil spec and we know this with rifles nowadays right like people are like oh i need a mil spec rifle yeah there's certain parts yeah they should be in spec because mil spec gives you some something to be better or worse than but uh but there is certainly better (laughs) than mil spec right on the night vision world and on the rifle world so uh, somebody that's getting into it and, you know, like you said, budget is going to be the first thing, right? First thing that you want to look at, uh, are you going to hurt yourself or are you going to be able to do it? Um, if you're going to hurt yourself, cool. How long will it take for you to save up to what you want? Or are you willing to go to the bare minimum? Like you said, like PBS 14 surplus Rhino mount, J arm and a bump helmet, right. And whatever laser that you can get, if that's, if that's available and that, that is your budget. I see nothing wrong with that. I've seen guys come through classes with exactly that and like a hollow sun laser that costs them a, a few hundred bucks and do almost everything that everybody else was able to do um, because 10% of your capability is like your equipment. 90% of your capability is your skill, right? You. So uh, on the scale of like looking at that kind of scale, like, cool. Like 10% could be duels. Can 10% could be quads. 10% could be all the, the high end stuff that you can want. But if you're 90% skill that you need to put into the hundred percent of your capability in general is trash. Mm-hmm. You're just going to be terrible with quads, right? Like you're going to just bump into the same doorways that everybody else runs into. You're going to still trip over the same shit, you know, around the, your environment that everybody else would. The only thing that changes that is your time under them and the experience built doing that, right? So one of the one of the things I ask at the beginning of every class, you know, what's your experience level with night vision? Um, and, and I ask a few other things, but that's one of the main questions. And most people are like, oh, I'm, I'm new to it, or I've been using it for a while, or I just go walk the dog, or I actually vacuum the house and things like that. And 
walking the dog, vacuuming the house, going for like little walks around the neighborhood or something, or in your backyard and playing around with stuff. Those are probably the best things you can do um, because you're building and uh, essentially you're building a new depth perception, right? Because you don't lose depth perception. I hate when people say that you you don't lose it. You're, you still have it. Your brain just needs to acquire the new one that you have because you're used to depth perception being from where your eyes are here, right? And where you, you're, you're used to things being that far away. Right now you're seeing things closer because your your view is six to eight inches in front of your face now and now things are like that far away so you just build a new one but if you don't wear them and you don't like mess around the house dry practice things like that just walking up the stairs walking down the stairs simple shit like that opening and closing things like cabinets and doors um you're you're not going to be worse for for it versus the guy that does right like I'd say like doing normal people stuff is better for your night vision training and better for your night vision work than just going to one class, wearing them for two nights and never, ever wearing them again until the next class or some shit, like wear them often, just like you would anything else. You know, you drive your car every day uh, because, and, and, and that's probably why you're, and I'm supposing you're good at driving and it's because you do it all the time, right? Like, like if you don't wear your night vision often, you're going to suck at it too, right? Like you'll suck at anything you don't do often. So um, I, I love when people would like bring up like, well, it's like riding a bike. Like you'll just know when you put it back on and it's not because you get on a bike. If you haven't been on one in 10 years, you'd be like, whoa, <laughs> you know, oh, get this, yeah. get, like reacquire the the technique that I need to and the balance that I need to put into it so that I can get going. And then it'll, it'll take pretty like it, you'll pick it back up really quick, but night vision, you have to remember yet. It's a constant thing, especially if it's not something you do all the time. So when it comes to like just normal people stuff, man, you can get so much training out of literally just doing chores around the house under nods. Yeah. And, the, and I know it sounds stupid, but like, it's so, so useful. No, the, the biggest learning curve is just the movement piece. Like especially if you get out of your house, like familiar areas for me, anyway, getting into the woods or we went uh, to a class in Pennsylvania and just walking around at night, everything under nods looked different. So I remember sitting next to my buddy who had like, and I'm running 1431s with some decent Elbit, you know, uh, tubes, white phosphor. He's got a, a 14 with green phosphor and everyone would look at that and say, that's a worse setup and he's going to be, have more problems. Right. <clears throat> but I'm literally looking at him and I'm going, dude, is that a puddle or is that a bunch of gravel? He goes, dude, that's just dirt. I'm like this, like it, it, you have to learn how to, and it's funny. I was like, dude, I am, I'm real bad at this. Uh, so we stayed off like another hour and a half past that and just like walked around. It was the first time I got a bunch of uh, time to just play behind my tubes. And then a couple weeks later, we spent like four hours out in the woods, just moving and, yeah, you have to learn the depth perception. You have to understand like what everything looks like, even how to walk. Like you just have to be more yeah. aware. It's 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 not the shooter. perception of the world, right? Like we're we're so um, we're spoiled by our peripheral vision, right? I, yeah. I I like to think of it like I'm totally spoiled by being able to see all of this, all of this, and all of this all the time. And then mm-hmm. you throw on night vision, and you actually get to a dark area that you don't have a lot of peripheral light, and all you got is that 40 degrees or whatever you got. And when you're stuck with that small field of view, 
um, you, you kind of, uh, you learn an appreciation for looking around more and like, man, I gotta, I gotta actually see what's going on around me. You know, I, I tell people all the time, it's like, uh, you almost have to scan your environment on a constant basis. And you're almost trying to build a memory or a very short-term memory of what you're walking towards or around so that you remember it's there. So think of it like, um, like almost like small imprints. So if I'm looking straight from from near to far, far to near, near to far, far to near, uh, I can start to understand like there's a coffee table. Cool. There's there's a lamp with a table that I don't want to run into. Cool. Look at those Legos. I'm not going to run into those, you know, things like that. And you start to learn like the environment a little bit. Outdoors, it's, it's even harder because some, like you said, like your perception of water, dirt and gravel became the same object so it was very confusing until you learn what things look like uh-huh. um i've had guys uh step into canals by accident because they were like oh it's dry it's it's a dry bed and then they're splash and like and they're like knee deep into this thing i'm like dude it was shimmering light like that tells me it's water like really quick um if it's <laughs> reflective it's it's gonna you know but they he didn't know like he, he had no idea and it was funny as hell but like things like that, like you start to pick up on uh, what things are supposed to look like and uh, and your whole perception like of the world, right? It's just slightly different. And um, it would be like hunters that hunt under thermals and they use thermals for like tracking, navigation and, and everything else and actually yeah. shooting critters. Like your perception of the world under thermals is going to be different. So uh, when, when paying attention to those kind of things and and actually using them, you start to pick up on that stuff really quick. Um, I had a guy hit a glass door one time and the sliding glass door was open on one end, right? It was open and then it, and, and it had a, a window next to it and he couldn't tell which was the open and which was the closed. And usually you yeah. can tell because it's slightly darker, right? It's a darker shade um, or if there's any reflection on it, which there was no reflection. So I give him that, but he was like, uh, you can see him stumble, like, mm, which one? Trying to make up his poke. mind. Yeah. And like, and, and just like run into one. And and you laugh at that because it's like, man, that's stupid. People do that during the day. <laughs> like, right. Right. Like, um, but, but it's, it's funny to see it because it's such a, it's such a small thing. But once again, like you throw on night vision for the first time and you're, you're just a toddler again. You're trying to figure out how far things are. What are your limitations? You know, can I even jump over that? <laughs> you know, and, uh, yeah. and I was joking with some friends in on Jekyll Island in, in Georgia one time. And uh, there was this down tree. And I was like, oh, man, I could totally vault that. Right. And I jump over it. Right. And I land on the other side. And then the next guy's like, yeah. Right. The next guy like goes one foot on it. Right. And the fourth guy's like, douche. And like eats shit on the beach. And I'm like, <laughs> would you would you do like what happened he's like i thought it was it was shorter than i thought like it was just not as tall as i needed it to be so things like that happen man it's it's normal night vision shenanigans but if you never wear them or don't wear them often you're gonna have trouble yeah and and that's really i think the the biggest hurdle with it uh whether you have a single tube uh, a dual tube setup, or I mean, I guess if you're rich enough to have quads or whatever, um, it, it, having that information, the skill set is the the first step anybody needs to take, um, and that's going to be there, right? It's going to be there regardless of what housing or single tube or whatever, green, white, any of the stuff that people spend 
hours fighting about on the internet. You know, uh, I I've watched videos of guys, uh, from some pretty well-known training groups that basically told you that single tubes are a complete waste of time and you shouldn't bother, you know, picking one up. Uh, and I guess you can have that opinion if you've Mm -hmm. never had to pay for it yourself. And if you've never had to be in that position to make those choices, but I don't personally agree with it. Now that guy did a lot more than I have like a lot more. So, uh, Whatever that's worth. Yeah. Pedigree is one thing, man. But like, like, I think, uh, honestly, like, I think people always look at it from only their point of view. And, Mm -hmm. um, and that may be a problem for, especially if you're out there trying to give information and teach people. Like, I can't teach you from a teacher's perspective. I need to teach you from a student's perspective. Right. And if somebody asks me about something and it's out way out of their budget, like good example, right? These something like what are those are, DT- are DTM well these are yep. DTMVSs right and these are the manual gain ones so I, I've never seen any in the in the wild I know they're starting to get them produced or they're coming out soon but like cool they're awesome but at the same time like bro I have a perspective of them and if somebody else can't like they, they can't put it into a teacher's perspective or I'm sorry, student's perspective or a user's perspective. Like, bro, you may not have the budget for something like this. And if I'm like, this is what you need, bro. Like that doesn't help anybody. Right. Like, but right. if I can explain to you, like, Hey man, like it, you can do it with a 14. I've got two of them in the safe. I, I love 14s. I think they're the Glock 19s of, of like night vision. Like you could do so many things with 14s that you actually can't do with tools. Right. Like like any kind of filming is way easier through a 14. Any kind of like observation, reconnaissance, things like that, way easier with a 14. Low vis stuff, way easier with a 14. Right. Cause I can hide a 14 like literally under under a sweater really easily on a lanyard that looks like a necklace versus a, a pair of binos. Because a pair of binos looks like binos. And what do people do with binos? They peep on people. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's too obvious. Right. So like things like that are are, I think, important to bring up with with folks. But a 14 is so usable, man. And and like and- even even the snobbiest guy, right? Like Sam Houston, right? From Green Line Tactical. He's like, if you don't have a mall, you're too poor, and things like that. And I love him. I love Sam. He's he's such a good friend of mine, but I love I love the fact that he is still on the same page when you talk to him. He's like, no, dude, 14 is awesome, right? 14, if that's what you can buy and that's what you can afford, Mm -hmm. you still see in the fucking dark. (laughs) Yeah. And I better than the person that doesn't have any. I think the 14 is actually easier when you look at like passive aiming, which I know isn't the answer to everything. But if you're really looking at budget and you can't afford a laser yet and a lot of guys like to poo poo on even learning how to passive aim because you'll never use it or something i mean at least for me that's easier to like merge the two eyes yeah so that's a little harder for some people right because um through an optic right you're gonna get light and Mm -hmm. if i only have one little tubi and i'm getting light through here from my optic that means that uh i may wash out actually seeing through that thing and seeing the other side it happens with a lot of dudes with 14s they have trouble passively shooting um and with only passive shooting not like using white light not putting any ir down there because that's not passive anymore but 
with one tube, they have trouble because there's so much light coming in from their optic. So actually, give me one second and I can yeah. show you what I'm talking about. I mean, when, at least when, so, when, when I did it and maybe, maybe I was using my, my un IR I, I got the eye without the tube on it to see the dot. And then, you know, like you're merging your two eyes together to make one image. Maybe that's mm-hmm. what I was getting and why, like you said, it's it, probably not the same for everybody, but why I found it a little bit easier. It could be one of the other things you'll see when you uh, try to passively shoot and you're trying to merge your actual red dot with the mm-hmm. vision that's being aided by night vision is that you're going to have a, a parallax shift depending on what like your eyes do. Now, can you set it up so that you don't? Yeah, you can set your 14 up pretty close to your face or or pretty straight on from your eyes and cause a really good like lack of shift. There we go. Um, and let me see if I can focus this at something you guys will be able to see. Oh. I want to interrupt this episode to tell you guys all about our friends over at Ben Franklin Range. Guys, you've heard our episodes, you've heard our discussions, you've heard it mentioned on social media. The facility at Ben Franklin is absolutely top-notch. They're located out in Templeton, Pennsylvania. And guys, this is a one-stop shop. They have 1,200 acres of land. So whether you want to go practice some overlanding and do some off-roading, or you're looking for a facility to host a CQB class, they have a shoot house. You're looking for a place to host a shooting course. They have not one, but two turf ranges. Maybe you want to stretch out, you want to reach out to distance. They have an absolutely outstanding long distance, actually unknown distance range that is available for rent. You guys can head over to their website at benfranklinrange.com for more information. And you can reach out and contact the team there at BFR via email at info at benfranklinrange.com or give them a call. 412-439-8751. Guys, it's an absolutely outstanding facility. Cannot recommend them enough. Now let's get back to this week's discussion. So depending on the brightness of an optic, right? So this is a Steiner MPS and I just got it. So it's not even mounted on anything, but depending on your brightness of your, of your optic, right? So Mm -hmm. let me see. Can you guys see through that? Well, they're not going to see this at all because we just we use the audio, but I can see it. All right. So you can see it. Well, what I'm doing is I'm I'm putting a piece of night vision or I'm looking through night vision or I'm having the camera look through night vision. Let me say that. And then I'm putting an optic in front of it. Right. And depending on the optics brightness level, and let me see if I can line it up right there. there, You see how it kind of washes out the image. So there's the image. And then optic in front of it starts to wash it out because now I'm overrunning or adding too much light into the actual system. So little things like that can add a a level of like uncomfortableness for, or, you know, people not even being able to do it under 14s because of the fact that their, their night vision is not able to see the actual target anymore because they're getting more light than they should have through their optic. So little things like that, I think, are important. And 14s usually have a problem doing that, depending on how it's oriented by their head, because that's another thing, like your mount is going to be important for that. So little things like that, 14s sometimes have trouble with it. I had a guy this past week have trouble with it. Um, and it was all because he he just, he had a rhino mount that when, when he mounted onto his head, it kind of canted it and it was just slight. 
like slight cant inward where his eyes can still see through it, but through his optic, it was too canted. So little things like that happen. Um, and then I've seen guys have too much light coming from an optic and not be able to passively shoot. They need to use the aided eye on the other side with duels. So one sees the target, one sees the optic, and then they've been an aiming concept kind of thing. Yeah. And that's not to say, you know, that you shouldn't learn how to passive aim or work on it or yeah, definitely utilize try that plus a laser. Cause I feel like everybody gets very divided. You have to either be all about one or all about the other. I don't personally prescribe to that methodology. I think, you know, batteries die, optics break. I mean, uh, lasers break, like shit happens. You should know, you know, your full range of capability with what you're working with. Well, it's, it's just another, it's another way of aiming. That's all it is. Yeah. So when people, when people divide themselves on those kind of things, they're getting emotional about it and, and they're starting to marry shit. Um, I don't marry gear. I don't marry techniques. I don't marry tactics. Right. I just date them. So like, I'm just dating this, this set of DTMBSs. <laughs> right. Like next week, something better may come around. I'm going to go ahead and hop on that. Go check it out. Right. Because to me, like they're, like the second you start becoming emotional about something in the sense of like, Oh, best optic ever. I'll never use anything else, but something actually comes out that's better and does more Then you're going to, you're going to have like a blind spot towards it, which tells me that you're not evolving. You're not learning and you're not, you're not essentially moving forward with life. You're like, no man, the Nokia was the best cell phone ever. I'm never going away from that. <laughs> and like, you better well, have a Nokia in your I pocket, mean, bro. Like, it, it probably yeah. would still work. Uh, there, there's something to be said for that. Those things were uh, tanks. Work or be alive, you know? <laughs> uh, that's a good, that's, a, that's an important distinction. You're yeah. right. <laughs> Existence and function are different. But yeah, like yeah. it's it's true, man. It's there's a, there's a lot of people that get blindsided or not blindsided, they get a blind spot for objects or thingamabobs that don't really give a shit what you think this optic does not care about my personal opinion of the optic right all right. it cares about is that i give it a battery and maybe i mount it i don't even think it cares about mounting as long as it has a battery it can do its function right so mm -hmm. like i i don't have as much care in this thing as like somebody would because not because i, I want to be abusive to it and, and destroy it no not not in that way but like if there's a better optic that I want to use, I'll just throw it on a gun. Cool. I'll buy that optic, use that optic. I'm not going to be so emotional about it. It's like, I'm never going to use another optic. I think that's dumb. Um, and it's very short-sighted. So personal preference, the same thing goes along with techniques, right? Like the way I grip a handgun was changed about a year ago because it worked better, right? It, it was doing what I wanted it to do more better in my hands so i'm not going to marry that because it's better i'm going to like keep trying to find a better an even better version of it right and continue to to you know almost cultivate it right the same thing with tactics man if i learn how to clear a room one way doesn't mean that's the only way to do it or the only way i ever want to do it it's a way that i do it and i'm going to try and experience try different things learn new ways, pressure test them. That doesn't work. Trash it. This works. Keep it right. But I'm not going to marry any of those things. It, right. Marrying it just becomes a, I, I would say like, it just pigeonholes you, man. It, it puts you in one little spot and now you're, you're stuck in a way that you may not want to evolve and grow as a shooter or as a person, whatever. So 
shooting shooting by itself is an infinite process. Uh, equipment by itself is an infinite process to an extent, right? Just because I have an optic doesn't mean I'm not going to get another optic or a different optic one day. It's just the one I'm I'm hanging out with, I'm dating, I'm taking to ice cream today, right? And then tomorrow, yeah. if a better one comes around, that one's going out to ice cream with me. Right. Well, so it's, it, it's always funny to me that we do have those people that are, like you said, so married to one concept versus the other. But then, like you're talking about with the D, like DTNVSs and housings and things, that's getting to the point. I mean, years ago we had like like RNVGs, and that was kind of it on the civilian side. I like, okay, this is there were a few you all end all. There were a few, you, right? Uh, Sentinels, you had Sentinels stuff, but you had BNVs, uh, you had a few other ones, yeah. Yeah. And, but now, I mean, shit, I mean, can, I can't even imagine people that would have bought maybe Sentinels back then and wouldn't completely look at everything else we have out on the market today and go, no, there's absolutely no way I would ever even consider moving into something like that. And it's like, well, why, why not? Why wouldn't you? I mean, it's lighter, more efficient, yeah. maybe. Uh, it, I mean, there's been advancements. We learned how to do it different better. things that you may want, you know, <laughs> like, and then, uh, and and that brings us to like talking about housings in general, man. It's all they are is a thingy that holds the important stuff and gives you features, right? It gives you certain features, so mm-hmm. it holds all the important stuff, right? The lens assemblies, which you can see through, which is kind of important. Uh, the intensifier tubes, which is the most important part of your night vision, and the electronics to like power everything. But other than that, that's all the housing is. It's just features, and it holds the important shit. Like, bro, it's, it's, it's no better than like your phone case, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, no, I, it's, it's yeah, a it's... really expensive phone case, but, but it's, it's like that, man. Or like, if you think about it on like glasses, right? Like the, the frames to your glasses, man, there's some really nice ones. There's some really shitty ones, but like all they all offer is something to hold the important stuff, which is the lenses and for it to fit your face, have features that you want, whatever, right? Like titanium or some shit, like, like the features in your night vision or the housing is, that's all it is. So if you like a certain feature, get that housing, right? As long as it's not a big piece of shit, which most of them nowadays aren't, right? Like I, I would say like most night vision out there, all these companies that are building these things or not building, but producing housings are trying to make them better, more rugged, more better, like overall, more waterproof, more whatever. And mm-hmm. the reason is because the customer base wants it, right? Us as the consumers want these things to be super robust, do everything we want them to do and never hurt our intensifier tubes that we're going to put on the inside. Other than right. that, like, and, and honestly, there's not a lot of housings out there except for maybe the stuff that comes from like, I think it's AGM or like any of that really commercial spec stuff that is going to be trashed, you know? So we have a lot of good housings out there and that's why like, so let's see, I have, I have RNVGs, I have DTMVSs, I have DTMVGs. I have two different flavors on DTMVSs. Uh, I have 1431s. I had 31 alphas. I had mod threes, right? I have a lot of different housings and, all they are, are just features, right? Things I wanted to learn about, or really I got a good deal on them. And I was like, all right, cool. I could set them uh, up for rentals for my classes. Beautiful. Yeah. So like between all those housings, like, and, and I have a few 14s, um, I could do a bunch of different things, but all they are, are just like, they're the, 
the second most important feature of your night vision, if you ask me, right? Like the second most important thing is that housing, like all the features and things that you want it to do. Like all, what kind of buttons do you want? What kind of like little knobbies do you want? How, what kind of battery do you want it to take? You know, what, what yeah. features do you want the actual thing to do when you articulate it or not? Right. Now, and, are there, uh, and I, are there, a, are there certain features that you think people should be looking for? If you're going to commit to buying something like, I mean, like you mentioned uh, manual gain right now, is that something I know a lot of units have manual gain these days. Um, some so, have auto gain. Um is it something that people should be, I mean, what is it? And is it something you should be looking for? So, so manual gain is essentially your brightness on your, on your phone. So if you put your phone on that auto brightness mode, whatever flavor of phone you have that has like auto brightness, adaptive brightness, whatever. Cool. Like that's what auto gain does, right? Manual gain is let's say your phone didn't have that feature to put it on automatic right? And it you had to like literally brighten it during the day and dim it down at night or whatever. Cool. That's all you're doing. And it's usually just a turny knob like this one, mm-hmm. right? And it just spins. And, uh, and honestly, it's, if you need it, rock on. If you don't need it, rock on. Um, on uh, PVS 14, I think it's absolutely vital. And this is, this is why I say this is because when you, you have a 14, let me grab one. So if you, Oh, you're, you can see what yeah. I'm talking about. No, I will say I actually, when I had my 14, I didn't know that it had manual gain. So I was getting like, <laughs> I was getting like dumb eye fatigue. And even with my, like, yeah. and it was dumb because it carried on in my binos too. I was like, man, why do I have such a so, killer headache? And my buddy looks at me and goes, did you turn down your gain? And I felt like a dumbass. <laughs> So this is this is one of my oldest 14s. Um, it, like it actually has a cracked lens assembly behind this this cover, but um, but on this 14, right? One of the most important parts, and I, I think it's important as hell. This manual gain that's on here, super duper important because one eye is going to be aided and one eye will not be. And if I can dim it down to close to ambient, right? Whatever my ambient light adaptiveness is, right? With my non-aided eye. Mm -hmm. then my eyes, my pupil, right, can actually dilate more because this eye is going to get darkness and the aided eye is going to get light from my PBS 14. If it's super bright, it's going to constrict this eye, which also constricts this eye, right, because they constrict at the same rate. Um, That means I'm not going to get as much night adaptiveness out of this eye or at least perception of the darkness that's in front of me. Yeah. So the more dilated, the more light I can receive, the easier it is for me to go around. Also, that means the muscles in my eye that do the constriction and the dilation of my pupil and other eye functions don't get as fatigued, which is exactly what you're talking about, where that fatigue happens or that um, some people call it pirate eye, right? Where it's like so bright that when you take it off, you're like, oh, shit, (laughs) why is my eye all squinty? Um, And like things like that. So it, it avoids that by just literally dimming down your, your 14 a little bit to the, uh, at least the environment's lighting and like as much light as comes in from the environment. So if it's pitch black, I would go really low, just enough so that I can see stuff. If it's really bright in the environment, cool. You can go as bright as you want, which you may not actually need to or want to, but it may actually brighten up just because it's receiving more light anyways. So little things like that, I think with manual gain are really important. But that's why I think it's important on a single tube system uh, versus a 
uh, dual tube system where a dual tube system, like both eyes are being aided. And so it really doesn't matter um, where it could matter is really dark environments or really bright environments on both like extremes of the spectrum. Cause mm-hmm. now in a really bright environment, I can dim that thing down. It doesn't uh, cause as much noise into the actual system as I need or that I would have. And then if I'm in a, a really dark environment, I can dim it down and, or brighten it up depending on what I need there. But then I can kind of get what I'm sorry, brighten it up in a dark environment mostly because I want to see more, right? I may, I may need to enhance what I'm seeing contrast contrast wise. So depending on the circumstances, like for example, uh, I was at GTI last year for the night op summit, right? Which is in November this year. And there are still a couple spots. So if you guys are down with that green line tactical, uh, night op summit, I'll be teaching there too. All right um, on. But the uh, last year, super fun, it was probably it, it's the most fun weekend that you could have with night vision and it's four days straight of using night vision with all these random guys that love night vision too super fun during the day there's little like um competitions and little ted talk kind of things like learning little yeah. sit down kind of like things and at night there's classes it's super fun um and you get fed there there's oh, like wow. food yeah it's, it's really nice, nice. So, um, so it's a good event by the way, but, uh, over there, like GTI has really big lights. So like it would be, it was really light in, in on the range at the time. It was like, there was a lot of light there. Well, I had my 1431s and all I had to do is dim down my gain a little bit. Uh, that way I didn't have as much overwhelmingness of all the, the lighting environment that I was getting. So little things like that, they can be helpful. I, I don't think they're necessary except on a 14. But uh, but some people some people believe it. Some people are like, no, bro, I can't live my life without manual gain. I'm like, rock on, boo-boo. There's options for you, right? Like the, the 1431s, the, all the 31 series, actually, every single one of the 31s have manual gain. Um, and then you have now DTMVS with some kind of manual gain. You have tons of other housings that have manual gain right it's actually really nice but uh but we have that market right like we have we have enough competition in the market to make it worthwhile to have all these different things but as a feature it depends on what you're going to use it for um i would say and it is useful but it's also could be a thing that you now have to pay attention to yeah well and one of the things you just mentioned was was just light exposure um, or being around lights. And I know that's something that people freak out. Like, and I say people, I'm people freak out about, like uh, about looking at lights and being around light and like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt my tube or tubes, you know, and you freak out because, and I get it, like spend a lot of money on it. You want to like take care of it and everything realistically, like, yeah, don't, <laughs> don't go out and like stare at the street light for, you know, 20 minutes and, and see yeah. what happens. But what are like, and, and I'm sure you probably cover this when you're teaching beginners yeah. and stuff. What are some realistic, um, I guess, expectations so, that you set when you're talking about that? So here's, here's how I kind of look at it, right? Like rules of thumb, because there is no definite, like, I can't tell you how much lux will be in the air and like around you with, with a light meter and like, tell you like, this is where it's going to damage your shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so the, the way I look at it is, uh, or, or the way it really is for for the most part, at least in my experience, right, is duration of the exposure 
and intensity of this the exposure. So duration plus the intensity could equal damage or no damage, right? So for example, like duration uh, could be one second looking at a street light ain't going to damage anything, right? Like I look at headlights all the time because I drive with my night vision a lot and cool headlight passes by. I get something like that looks like a black streak in my night vision or black ghosty, like a very transparent black line, if you want to call it that of where that light passed through and uh, through my night vision. And what that is, is called microchannel plate oversaturation. So that means in that area, there's something called a microchannel plate that it's inside your night vision. It is part of the intensifier tube. It's part of how it does its thing. Well, in that area, the microchannel plate, think of it like a cheese grater for photons, right? For light particles. Those photons go through that bad boy. They do their thing, right? They get multiplied. And when they come back out, that's what's being projected onto your phosphor screen. Now, um, with with that microchannel plate, if it gets too much intensity in that one specific area, it'll get oversaturation, so too much. So it gives you this black streak that makes you, like, that's what you'll see for a second. It's the same thing that your eyes, when they get an oversaturation of light, right? Somebody blasts you with, like, a mod light or a cloud light in the face, you're going to see that light in your image for, like, you know, a few minutes or whatever. Same, same. So think of it the same way. It's the same concept. It's not the same thing, but it's the same concept. Okay. And what will happen is your your night vision will do something called auto gate, right? It automatically uh, it automatically essentially cleans up your image because it's refreshing to an extent. So think of it like uh like uh, the refresh rate on a TV or on your phone or on your computer or whatever, right? Like it's a refresh rate to like almost clean up pixels, make sure you can see the next thing. It, it just, it's a nice way of looking at it. Now, phosphor screens don't have pixels, so don't think of it that exact way, but it's similar in the sense of like the concept once again. So think of it like refreshing. So auto gating will clean that up. Now, if it's a intense enough, let's say you looked at that streetlight for too long and it's not going away very well, or it's still mm-hmm. faded, but it's still there. You may have to do something called black boxing, right? Which is Take your night vision, all right, cap it, right, turn it on and put it in the darkest place you can think of, right? Like put it in a pelican case, in a closet, whatever, and yeah. leave it on for the entire entirety of the battery, right? Let it burn out the battery. And what you'll find is like your your night vision will continuously auto gate the entire time trying to clean that up for you. So it's kind of like defragging. All right. It's going to defrag it for you. Um, not that it cleans it up fully sometimes, like depending on the intensity of the damage. Um, but if the duration was long enough and the intensity was long enough or uh, uh, intense enough, it's going to need it to a certain extent. Now, um, what you'll find is like most of the time we don't we don't we don't run into that because nobody really stares at them. But people do set their helmets down with their night vision facing shit sometimes. So oh, yeah. I, I also use a rule of thumb of like, like it's a safety thing at, at class or if I'm just hanging out with friends and training, or if I'm just wearing my night vision in general, just run around the house, kind of practicing things. If I set my helmet down off my head, I shut my night vision off and I cap it. Uh, the same with my rifle. If I set my rifle down, I 
usually unload a rifle if I set it down without my body. But sometimes like if I still leave it loaded, there's probably a reason like I'm by myself just training. It's not a big deal. But with my laser, I shut that off and I cap it if it has caps. So with a mall, I turn it all the way to off. If it's a, a peck or an angle or raid, I'll turn it off and I'll put the caps on, you know, and, and that way I negate the, the problem of, holy shit, I left my laser on and what's it pointing at? You know, did I walk by that and like accidentally swipe my eyes or something? Like, like I don't yeah. want that happening. In classes, it it, it helps uh, mitigate the issue of somebody lazing your night vision by accident because you captures, you shut them off, which shutting them off isn't going to help all that much, but you capped them at least. And you went ahead and you shut off your laser and everybody else did too. So it's a team effort, obviously, but uh-huh. it's one of the safety things I try to bring up in every class, especially like when I'm doing stuff with law enforcement, because we get into shoot houses and stuff like that at some point in the class. And that that's going to be a big one. A lot of guys just drop their shit in between runs and they never shut them off. They never cap them. If you make that a normal thing, it becomes really easy. And then every time you turn them on, right, or you put on your helmet, you go through the process of actually setting yourself up for success, which is a good habit also, in my opinion. Same thing with your rifle. You pick it up. Now you're checking your stuff, making sure you know what setting you're on. Is it loaded? Is it unloaded? All that jazz. So you start learning the conditions of your equipment right off the bat and you make it a habit and it becomes a safety thing too. I think that's there. I don't find a negative there. Now I can see if you are overseas and you put down your helmet to like take a breather, drink some water, eat some chow really quick before putting it back on to get back to work. Yeah. That could be an issue, right? Turn your shit on, leave it on. Who cares? It's not yours anyways. Right. It's, it's, right. it's ours. It's taxpayer, ta- taxpayers, money. Yeah. No, okay. but, uh, <laughs> That's a different conversation, yep, but, yep. Uh, but that I could see operationally that may be an issue, but if you're sitting down for chow, usually it's somewhat or relatively calm or safe. So it may not be that big of a deal anyways, but something to think about just, just for the normal folk. Um, I think it's an important one. And if you're training with your buddies and you take your helmet off, I rather one protect my stuff, but also be a little bit more selfless, right? Not selfish, selfless and shut your shit off so that you know your your laser's not accidentally on and pointing at somebody else. Uh, even if somebody just accidentally bumps into your gun and it, it like ends up like turning on your laser for some reason, I don't want that. So I like to to go heavy on that safety stuff. Because um, I, I don't want to ruin somebody's, you know, 12 grand worth of fucking equipment or more, right? Oh, yeah. So that, that, that would suck. I, I I personally would feel obligated to replace it if I damaged your stuff. And like that would take money out of like my family's mouth, right? Like, uh, like I, I don't want that. So uh, the grand scheme of things, I'm going to be as safe as possible and, and as violent as possible with all my tools. And that is one of the ways I do it. So Yeah, and, and that's just... I mean, that's also, that's also assuming whoever made the mistake has the extra money in the bank account to even cover the cost. Cause some of these can get, I mean, upwards of 15 grand, if you're, you know, top of the line, everything, you know, L3 and all that. And, um, I've had multiple dudes come in with quads in class. Really? They got a cap cap four freaking tubes, you know? And like, like, I don't want to ruin his set of quads. That's a really nice car that you just spent on, on, headborn night vision right? i was gonna say like, those are like those are like 40 right 40 grand like they're depends on where you get them. 
they're pretty yeah, expensive. You can, get, uh, you can get some for like 28 to 30 ish, somewhere around there. And, and then like brand new L3 GPM EGs are going to be, yeah, 40 something ish. Yeah. And I've, but I've also heard though, like, so for anybody that thinks that that's where they need to shoot, like, I've also had a lot of people tell me you're not really missing out on a ton. Like, they're nice, but they're also heavy and there's some drawbacks. There's drawbacks. Just, yeah. you know, just like uh, anything else, there's pros and cons. I mean, me as a traveling teacher that runs around the country, like teaching people, um, I rather not have quads. And the, the biggest reason is like, flying with them right flying and transportation with them it's like not helping this fits in a backpack really easy quads they got to go in like a case like Like a specialized case and it's it's big and like i i don't want to deal with it personally so like it's not worth it to me also that takes away from my ability to offer night vision as a rental for students right like i can have four or five sets in my safe for rentals so that dudes can use them and get comfortable with them and, and like see what they like and, and learn about them before they ever go out and invest in some. So that's, that, that's probably what one of my favorite things about like good night vision instructors out there have rentals for students. And mm-hmm. I'm not to say that other instructors that don't aren't good night vision teachers, but like, like you're like, you're being offered something that you don't even have to invest, you know, thousands of dollars into just maybe, a thousand dollars depending on what the class is and the extension of the class and how far it is from your location and all that stuff but you're learning right which in my opinion man like <laughs> you you really like putting a price on your self-investment is really hard like i i think like i rather self-invest in my learning capabilities than anything else in this world the most because you yourself are the only you and like you're only going to be as good as you allow yourself to be. So, and and you got to learn certain things. Like there are certain things I just do not know about this world and I have to go out and seek them. So if I don't pay somebody, sometimes I'll never learn it. So that, and that that's kind of scary. Like I'll never learn something because I wasn't willing to try and like invest in myself for it. So that, that's how I look at it. But um, but when it comes to night vision, man, there's, there's just so many facets to it. Uh, as you can see, like we're, we're only a little bit into this, uh, or into the depths of this and we're yeah. almost yeah. through an hour. So it's, it's crazy, man. But, um, honestly, like when it comes to damaging them or anything like that, it, it will definitely be a mixture of duration and intensity, right? Like a millisecond of laser going into your night vision can definitely damage them because the intensity is so high, right? Even though the duration didn't have to be very high. But if you look at my desk lamp for half a second, like I was earlier with these on inside the room, no damage. No, it's not that big of a deal. So, uh, but the the rule of thumb is I put them down and I cap them bitches and I shut them off. Like I do not leave them on when I let go of them. And I think it's, it's, negligent to an extent because you're you're going to damage your stuff potentially uh, just one yeah. reflection of the wrong thing like somebody could have a laser pointed at a, f- a headlight that accidentally reflects into your night vision like freak accident kind of shit but i don't want that uh you know that 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 destiny for my night vision i want i want to use them for long durations so yeah that's and how it, i kind of lose it it's just another one of those things where like a good 
process in place with how you handle your gear and how you train with it uh, can save you a lot in the long run. And so, that, and, and talking about damaging the unit beyond just, you know, light exposure and lasers, a lot of it is things like, let's talk a little bit about what else you can, it, it comes down to purchasing like anything else, I suppose, but what are some of the things people need to do when you, you buy the tube? And then it's, there's also other shit you need to get. Like you need to have, if it's, if it's a 14, a quality J arm. Don't buy the piece of crap right off of Amazon mounts, uh, helmet. Like I, I know we see that stuff on online, right? It's like the early nineties shit. Uh, we're just, cl- it's like a, like a skull crusher, but not uh, like a really yeah. bad night vision mount for like a PVS seven. You can get them for like 50 bucks online. People want to try to find skull crushers. <laughs> well, and the skull so, crusher is a quality apparatus, but there's well, a lot of crap I, out there too. The the original one was terrible, but oh, I, really? I'm talking like the, I have an ops core one and I have something called a cry cap, which both of them really functional just for a limited uh, time frame, right? Like the, the cry cap is all soft and then it has a shroud that's bolted onto it and you have to clip it. Otherwise it's going to slide right off your head. It's like a ball cap almost. So uh, the cry cap though is really nice because paired with a 14 literally folded up into something that looks like this and you can shove it into a cargo pocket. You shove it into a bag really easy. So really easy for like somebody like going camping or somebody that's just going to go hiking through the woods and they may hit darkness and they don't want to like limit their, their hiking capabilities or a hunter that's just like trying to make it to a stand, right? Any of those capabilities is super useful and you can just pack it up and put it away. Um, the op score crusher, crusher, a little harder, um, but it's, it's almost a helmet. Like it's just slightly smaller than a helmet um, and it's skeletonized. So it, it takes up just as much space person. Like, like when I travel with it, it's the same amount of shenanigans. Um, but, uh, then you get into like bump helmets, uh, bump helmets are going to obviously offer more capability than the skull crushers, but it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a helmet for bumps, right. Yep. Ain't going to help you with a lot of things after that. Um, and the shrouds are usually plastic molded to the helmet, so if that cracks, breaks, or something like that, you're kind of like SOL. Shit out of luck. Um, you just got to buy a new yeah. one at that point. <laughs> yeah, like like you may have to get a new one, glue it, you know, um, use some E6000. Uh, you can do a bunch of different things. You could probably like JB weld that thing too, but um, I would uh, I would definitely uh, veer towards more than that. But um, I, I'm sure some of those companies will help you out too. I mean, who knows if you buy it from someone reputable. Um, and then you get into like carbons and like, uh, maritime style helmets. And those are really nice. Like those are, if you didn't need a ballistic or want a ballistic, but still wanted something that's going to last long and be really functional, the maritime carbons and stuff like that are really nice. Uh, the carbons are a little thinner usually than, a uh, an actual like ballistic helmet. So it offers a little bit there. They're lighter. So you're kind of getting more than a bump but less than a ballistic. Um, and then you get into ballistic helmets. So ballistic helmets, obviously they're for shrapnel mostly. Um, I would say I, I, most of them don't or aren't rated to take straight on impacts. Um, some have back, back face deformation that is like within the, I don't like, like it's within the zone of you'll live, 
but you need may need a straw to drink and to oh. eat all your food, right? Kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and some of them have back face deformation that's like I would never want like to ever have that much damage to my skull. So uh they're mainly they're rated for shrapnel, right? For spalling and, and shrapnel and stuff like that. So uh there are level four helmets out there, but once again the back face deformation may not be like sweet for Acceptable. your head you know? yeah yeah because like think about armor right when we watch armor getting shot or see it being shot at uh you'll see like it does dent the other side well most of our body where armor sits is squishy so we have some space right not a lot yeah. of space but some space right and some people yeah, get like bit. their sternum's cracked and stuff like that so you look at like your skull there ain't no squishy space on the actual skull so like for error there yeah <laughs> yeah so so the back face deformation meaning the 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 essentially dent that it makes on the opposite side of where it gets hit could be pretty detrimental to your noggin um like i said you may live but you may not live like a normal life afterwards um but it it all depends but either way ballistic helmets are definitely better than having like a bump or something when it comes to like fighting humans or fighting in general so um just things to think about but helmets and i think all the the mounting systems to like hold night vision to your noggin it'll come down to like what you need as a human Right. Those skull crushers, like I said, the Opscore one, there's one from uh damn Tracer Tactical that's pretty decent. There's like the cry cap from Cry Precision. Like all of those are pretty decent, but you have to know you need that capability because the cry mm-hmm. cap is great. Like, like I said, like I'll fold it on a 14 and take my 14 wherever I want. And it's a small light package that's literally one thing. And uh and it gets thrown in my backpack or in a pocket if it's big enough or um to hide it in plain sight you can literally put it in a hat like it's that easy to hide that kind of thing so it's not it's not a bad one for like observation or like quick reaction stuff but it is it is not one that i want to wear for over an hour like over an hour and and you're it's painful and it's also not for people hearing this thinking that you just found a cheat code it's actually not cheaper it's still cry so you're probably gonna spend yeah. as much on that as you will a good bump helmet, like a Team so, Wendy or an Opscore bump. Yeah, even even the cry cap, you, you still have to buy a shroud, which will be the costly part of that. Like that'll be like three, four hundred bucks for a good shroud. So you're you're still gonna pay. You're you're gonna come come out of pocket in some way. Now, um the the second part we could talk about, right? From helmet to the mount. Right. The, the shroud system is the part that the mount actually locks into. It's usually attached to helmets. It's the little diamond looking thing that's on the front of helmets sometimes. Um, that part's pretty important uh, because if there's a lot of wiggle room between the actual arm or mount that holds your night vision and that shroud, uh, there's going to be a lot of wobble there, which means that it's going to translate to your night vision when you start walking around and there's going to be like little bouncies and stuff. Now, a lot of people can shim those, right? You put a couple pieces of tape there and like shim it so you can like force the sh- the, the mount into the shroud and kind of get away with that little wiggle room and get it out of there. Um, so you can kind of do those kind of things or you can get just a good shroud so you don't have as much wiggle. 
I was just going to um, say, yeah, just because uh, I know guys will, will online say it's just a bump. So you're just as good going with an airsoft helmet as you are with name brand. And that's really because I've had it. I've seen it both ways, right? Where you have play in that when you put that mount on. But I've also had to help a buddy with a cheaper helmet, like literally take <laughs> kind of embarrassed to say this, but fuck it. Uh, take a pair of channel locks and like <clears throat> press down on the helmet and the mount that he bought to get it to to mate close enough where you could like pop the tab to to lock it in place. And like a tight fitment is great when you have to employ fucking pliers to make it work correctly. There may be something out of spec there, um, yeah. which could cause additional stress. And then, like you said, if that molded plastic breaks or something, then you run the risk of losing the whole unit off the front of your head. Yeah. Now the, the other thing that goes along with that, right? Like, um, like a good shroud and stuff, most good helmets come with them. So if you don't buy it by like, uh, some kind of Chinesium helmet, um, most likely you'll get a decent shroud. Now, some of those Chinesium helmets still have decent shrouds, so you can kind of get away with it, but like, um, between team Wendy, Opscore, Gentex, or sorry, um, Galvion. Galvion, thank you. Um, they all make really good or they have really good shrouds that come with their helmets because they're either Wilcox shrouds or they're like uh uh they're made by Wilcox for that company. So and they're just branded like OEM for them. So they make they all make good shrouds. So you're you're dealing with good stuff usually. Um uh, one of the, my favorite shrouds, which is also a mount, is the Wilcox G69. Because it takes away the whole shroud problem, and now you're bolting the mount directly to your helmet. So it's a more expensive route, right? Like I think those things run for like seven hundred bucks, but it's uh it takes away that those two features that you're like, oh, do I do this? Do I do that? Um, so they're they're pretty. It's pretty nice. It takes away some some of that wobble. Another thing you could do to like remove some of that wobble between the mount and the shroud is using a retention lanyard. And kind of shameless plug, but I make one that's elastic, right? And it's called the Nerd. It's a night vision elastic retainment device. Um, and what it does is actually pull on your night vision, right, into your, your mount. So the mount and the shroud and your night vision start to not wobble as much or at all, depending on your setup. So it's it's really useful. And then if your stuff ever comes undone, you have something that holds it onto your helmet, even though it may not be connected anymore, maybe just like a leash. And uh, and that way you don't lose it in the woods or whatever. So that's it's a product I came out with is the first one that I actually um, branded myself and for me. And uh, it's on my website, but it is uh, it's definitely like one of those that I've been very proud to have. And the fact that I think. I've sold like 15,000 of them. Damn. Um, just sh- That's awesome. Yeah, just yeah, it just shows that they they work, man. And uh and people have been all about them. So uh and they have a lifetime warranty. So and those they're are damn- they're a bit easier to use than some of like the the helmets that come with like the metal hooks and everything. Like I used to run a hardhead yes. veteran and when I started using the metal hooks, uh like I have really big hands and I really fucking struggled to get that little tiny hook in the little hole on the 1431 housing and i eventually yeah. just ended up putting like uh little zip ties on there and hooking to that instead because mm-hmm. it was easier uh but something like uh, the nerd i know i've seen you like you like run it through itself on binos and then that just velcros yeah. to the, the helmet it's just so much Do, easier 
you do what's considered a uh, a girth hitch around the night vision like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and now like you just set it up so that you can still slide it into your mount like so-ish. And I just keep them on there. So I usually pinch them between my my duels like that when I put them away. Yeah. So it just so sticks and- with them. And it also acts as retention if you put them in pouches because you could stick it to the pouch, right? Like most pouches have like um, Velcro to them. So it's super useful, man. Uh, in my opinion, it was it was something that I wanted for myself. So <laughs> it just so happened that other people wanted it too. Yeah, and, and usually something like that, like I know there's a couple of companies that make something like that, but it's mm-hmm. not usually a very cost prohibitive purchase. It's yeah. just like like retain your shit you spent so much money on it you don't want to go out like your first or second time you know in the woods and then you run into a branch because you don't know how to walk right yet and then you lose your thirty five hundred dollar tube or worse right and then it's like okay well now i have to start all over because i can't find it well it's it's like um so i i know a uh, firefighter uh they use them on the boats on the other side of florida on uh, the sarasota side and he's a, a fire lieutenant and he was on one of the boats and they were on their way to like go do a rescue. And um, lo and behold, they hit the wrong bump and his night vision came right off his mount and uh, into the, the drink it went. So <laughs> there's a uh, 15K or 12K, depending on what they bought him for um, down in, in, in the Gulf somewhere, if you want it. So <laughs> So yeah, you'll never find uh, it. No, <laughs> no, you're definitely not going to find it ever again. And it's, it's just unfortunate because like it's preventable. And like, I know ops core makes those little bungees that come off the shroud and mm-hmm. other companies like team Wendy have the bungees that come off the sides. Um, but those ones with the dang hooks, I, I fear them popping off and hitting me in the eyeball. Um, I, I have that fear as well. Just, yep. Yeah. It's, it's like this, maybe unfounded fear but it's still a fear so i i rather just use something simple like this and it's always on my night vision so she always dangling with it and uh it's just part of my equipment now like it it works really well to the point that i i think yeah i think i have all my sets of night vision have one except for these that i just took it off of because i don't know when i have to send them back so you had any experience with because i know we were talking about the mounts and like the wilcox stuff is pretty much like a gold standard across the industry mm-hmm. is there anything else out there for people that are really looking at i mean it's uh the g24 is so, is the mount but it's like 500 so, bucks i so it's a hard a hard thing to kind of like stomach but you got to remember it's holding like 10k on your head like yeah it's it's like let me buy this really nice car, but I'm only going to ride it on donuts. Like, <laughs> you know, just only on spare tires because those are the cheapest I can get. Um, but like when when it comes to like your your mount, right, you want it to do a lot of different things because it's actually a very vital part of your night vision system. Um, not only does it attach it to your helmet, right, and that, that lockup matters that we were just talking about, mm-hmm. but now it has adjustments that can't, that lift, and that forward and aft your actual night vision around other than just hold it. 
And that's really important because everybody's heads are slightly different. All our helmets are probably different. So you're going to have to adjust it so that it's in front of your eyes in some form or fashion. If you uh, don't use something that's with enough adjustment or reputable, uh, what you're going to get is a lack of adjustment that now you're going to try and force the helmet down or up or whatever to try and counter that problem. And when you start doing that, now you're going to start pushing this helmet around. And when you start moving, that helmet's going to shift back to where it originally sits, right? Like where it settles and it's probably not going to be where your eyes are. So you're, you're, you're fighting the helmet to fight the night vision in front of your eyes versus set the helmet the right way. Then you put or position the night vision with the mount in front of your eyes. So personal preference, I rather spend a little extra money on a mount that's going to do exactly what I need it to do and hold really expensive shit to my head um, and not let it go when I tell it not to. <laughs> right. And, uh, and, and usually you end up in the right spot. Um, another thing you can kind of look at, um, I know Nerodos, they make a few mounts. Theirs are still pretty expensive, but I think they're less than Wilcox. They make good mounts. I have a couple of theirs. Uh, Kadex, a Canadian company, they make some. Um, they're they're just as expensive as Wilcox, in my opinion, but they do a really good job too. Um, and then there was there was one other that I saw recently. The the, the Argus yeah. one, the lightweight one. Yeah, it looks, like a, it looks just like so, the G twenty four or the whatever like, one has like skeletonized. Longer, yeah, they like trimmed out yeah. as much as they could all over the place. And I actually mm-hmm. run one of those. It's been pretty so, sweet so far. I haven't used it, so I can't say, but yeah, I mean, it looks like a G22, like it's nothing crazy. So yeah. G22 is the longer version of the G24 until they just revamped them. Now they're all the same length, essentially. They, I think they nixade the G22. Um, but yeah, like you, you have a lot of room and a lot of uh, like a lot of different features with all these mounts, but the mounts have to have enough, uh, I guess, adjustment range so that you're not putting the mount in the wrong spot and then forcing the helmet and then the helmet and then you're fighting your entire system and then you hate wearing night vision and then you don't practice with it and then you suck so yeah there's 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 some fine tuning i think with any system needs to go into that like uh i ran it was like a knockoff g24 with my uh 14 but i got a noise fighters j arm uh because the adjustability and it's a pretty it's a it's pretty good honestly um but i still had to like fight with my retention band and like figure out just how to set everything up just right so that when you would pull the tube down it wasn't like pulling it away from your line of sight and yep it's yeah there's there's always going to be some tweaking to it uh but yeah that's that's always the kind of the bite in the ass is like oh i bought this tube it's so awesome and then here you got to spend like another grand on attachment hardware and it's like well more shenanigans yeah, it's just the price of admission, I guess. It kind of is. And and like, right. especially if you want to do things the right way. Um, if you want to do things the wrong way and just like, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to do it cheap after I buy the system. Like, you do you, man. You, you made the investment. It's your money. You can do with what you want with it, right? Like, um, just, just note that it, you're going to have more struggle bus than some people because you cheaped out on certain things now it's not to say that there's inexpensive things that aren't good they still work and for a hobbyist it may work fine or a hunter or something like that but 
don't expect it to last as long or, you know, make sure you keep up on maintenance or paying attention to it. Right. And like inspect it as much as possible. Cause like, it's not this one. It's this one. Like even really nice stuff. Like I broke this piece right here on a Wilcox mount, which is. And Wilcox is like supposed to be as bomb proof as it comes. But yeah, I mean, everything has yeah. limits. It's, it's literally one of the only plastic pieces on the mount. And what it does is, and I didn't break it technically, technically American Airlines broke it, um, but <laughs> what it does is it separates my mount. So you could literally drop your night vision by loosening this up and forgetting that it's loose and it won't stop anymore because it's a stopper for the up and down on the Wilcox. So was that broken in the same trip where they melted your jacket? No, no, different trip. Uh, oh boy. This one. Yeah. Luckily, it's still usable, but to get that part from Wilcox, like, bro, they're, they're impossible to get hold of sometimes. So it's it's really like a, like a two each their own when it comes to that kind of stuff with mounts. But honestly, like the even a broken one is still working really well, like and doing its mm -hmm. job. So so I can't be mad at it. Um, and then and then not just that, but like I also have some Neurotos that have been awesome. Uh, I just wouldn't expect a lot out of like an old Rhino mount with like a bayonet lug, like the one that attaches like the old 14 J arms. Yep. I wouldn't expect a lot of those. I've like heard those things were made to be like, the, yeah, they were the easiest thing to produce massly and give to the military. And the military was like, yeah, we'll take them. And, uh, and that's it. So <laughs> it is what yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, it'll do in a pinch, uh, but definitely. Yeah that's like i've given buddies that advice I'm like you can go that route you can get it for like a hundred bucks the j-arm and the rhino but i wouldn't plan on that being a long-term solution like if you want to yeah. like play with it now cool but for sure work towards the, something the thing better. is like like the noise fighters j-arm that you you mentioned so um i got to work with neil on the j-arm and their pano bridge which is this one right here and yep. Uh, so I got to prototype those and do a lot of work with him over like design and or, or like fixing it and things like that. Um, at least the original one. And man, I had a blast doing it. And it, I thought for the price point that he was giving those J arms away for is stupid. Um, you could also like I have uh, discount codes for them on my website under affiliates and uh, and you can get a discount on the J arm, which is already cheap as hell. Uh, to to go and save you money so you can buy a good mount too um but it it'll save you a lot of problems when it comes down to it because that's a good j arm that works it does all the things you need it to do you may just have to mess with the tension right because some people like more friction than less mm -hmm. other than that man i i don't know i i haven't had a bad time with that j arm uh it works well it does it holds on to your night vision it's light it's probably the lightest one i've ever used including the j arms that went with rhinos so I think it's lighter than those even. Yeah. Out of the five friends I have that, that are all running 14s, I think three or four of them are all running the, the noise fighter mm -hmm. arm. It's just, it's, it's a good product for sure. But yeah. um, I know we're kind of running up to it here, but I, yeah. I really appreciate your, your input and your knowledge on this. Uh, like I, I, as I learn more, I can help people with things, but there, man, like you said, like there's just so much you can get into with night vision and <clears throat> with everything going on. Like, I, I hope we see, you know, a bunch of people by night vision, not because something happens here, but just because, you know, I think people should have it. 
Uh, it's so fun. it's a great time. Honestly, I've had more people that I, I here try this 14 or even like dual tubes. And the first thing out of their, their mouth is like, Oh, Holy shit. You know, it's so cool because it's just something people have never experienced before. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, before we, we kind of wrap, where can people, can you mention the discount code and stuff? What's your website? Where can people, uh, find you and information on maybe one of your classes if they're looking to learn? So, uh, kinetic-consulting.net is my website. Uh, on there is my schedule right on the homepage and they're all hyperlinks. So you can literally click on the one you like and, or you want to know more about, and it'll take you to the page. Um, and then, uh, and then on there, I have all my products are on the same website under products, super simple. And then, uh, and then under affiliates is all the discount codes and things like that. Um, if you, if you go through like my social media on my, my, or my, uh, website is already linked on there in my bio and stuff like that. So it should be pretty easy, whether you're on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook or whatever. Um, but, uh, but everything's on there. It's, it's, I try to make it really, really easy to access all my information that I give out. And, uh, even my blog that's on my website is free, which is constant source of information. And then I, I put out YouTube videos. I haven't in a while since I've been just swamped with stuff, but I'll, I'll get back to that. And I also have a Patreon that I put all my videos up earlier than everybody else gets them. So, um, I also put other videos like like dry practice stuff and little things like that, that people don't like, like they, they won't get to see on, uh, on regular social media mainly because it's just stifled um, yes. I, uh, shadow banned everywhere. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, and uh, it's pretty easy to get hold of me. Uh, and if people need me, my emails on the website, it's pretty simple. And I'm the only one that runs everything. So I'm the only one that emails you back. <laughs> yeah, no, good shit, man. Well, thank you again. Uh, this has been very insightful. Uh, if you guys do have questions, I do encourage you to reach out to John and like, go take a class, go learn how to do it. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's weird at first, but it is a lot of fun once you start to learn how to do it. So thanks again, man. We will, as always, we'll be in touch. And, uh, if I don't talk to you since we're getting that time of year, have uh, happy holidays. Thanks, man. You too. I know we still left a whole bunch of meat on the bone there for the night vision discussion, but hopefully you guys learned some stuff from John. Uh, he, he does a lot of teaching in the night vision realm. He actually, prior to uh, getting on the call with me, was actually just getting home. He was on the road. He was taught some two, three uh, back-to-back night vision courses. So it's a big part of his curriculum with Kinetic is, is teaching night vision, not just to high level end users like law enforcement or military or anything like that beginning you, you know users civilian users who are purchasing 14s who are purchasing you know binocular night vision for the very first time and don't have a lot of experience operating behind tubes so he very much is a wealth of knowledge in regards to a, how the units work, but B, how you can actually explain it, how you can teach it, how you can get people to be able to understand and be able to then maximize these these tools, which they've spent a considerable sum of money on, right, to give them the ability to see in the dark. And guys, like I said in the intro, you know, there's a lot of shit going on in the world today. If you're somebody who has listened to this, you've made it, you know, all the way through everything that's going on, if you are still somehow convincing yourself that you don't need night vision. And I'm not saying monetarily, take the money aside from it. But if you're sitting here 
kidding yourself that, oh, I have streetlights, I have a white light, I don't need night vision, that's not going to be enough. It just, it just isn't. You really, really should. If you're looking to maximize your capability, take care of your family, or even expand on capability in that regard, you really need to look into some night vision. We partner with Custom Night Vision. If you guys didn't hear it, rewind on back to our ad space, check on all the good stuff that they have at their website, uh, or reach out to to John if you're looking for you know some additional information. Maybe something we didn't get into uh, on this discussion here at MochaBear underscore Actual on Instagram, as well as you can email him through his site, or head out and check one of his classes out. See what's going on there. You can rent night vision from him. It is a totally different experience. I know everybody says that you know oh it's a totally different experience when you shoot this kind of gun or drive this kind of car. But night vision gives you a whole new set of sense in like the literal interpretation, <laughs> like your your depth perception, your eyesight is is altered. It's different than what it would be normally. So I, I cannot stress enough that you really should seek out instruction and help from people that really do know what they're doing. And certainly I recommend Duffy on that list of people that you can you can really lean on for information for help and you can trust that if you go spend money you're it's going to be worth it you're going to learn a lot you're going to have a good time uh check out his website see where the classes are i you know we got done recording i got offline and first thing bam start talking about when he's going to be at ben franklin range and you know what he's teaching there and potentially you know if if josh and i are able to make the trip out since it is within driving distance for us to that facility and uh, you know, maybe we can make it out to a class hopefully in 2024 and see what's going on there. But I hope you guys, if nothing else, enjoyed the discussion. I know night vision is one of those things that some people get really fired up about and some people get really passionate about. And I love that. I love the energy. I love the fire. I love the passion. So if nothing else, I, I do hope that you guys enjoy these discussions. We bring these people on that are, I would say, experts in their field to talk about how to train and how to be more proficient with these tools. And certainly if you guys have somebody you want to, you know, you want to hear from, you want us to do something different or bring somebody on, let us know. Shoot us a message. We're always looking for additional input and feedback on how we can do things better here at the pod. Josh and I have actually already met to talk about, you know, 2024. We're two months out still. There's a lot that's going to happen between now and then, but we are already looking at what's going to happen in the next calendar year, you know, uh, the next 14 months, as well as obviously the next six months, the next eight months, whatever have you, and what we want to do and what kind of content information and guests we want to be able to bring to all of you guys to address the needs that you have and the concerns and questions that you all have. So I appreciate you guys spending the time with me and hanging on through this discussion. Check out John's site, but that's all I got for you guys this week. So until next time, folks, get out there, practice with your night vision, even if it's just moving around and walking around, hammer those basics. But until next week's episode, get out there, stay safe, everybody. And like we always say here, work hard, train smarter, and be prepared. <laughs>